0: hey this is kevin kelly and you are listening to the stardom cast
1: this is jesse from club venus from stardom and you're watching stardom cast
3: And welcome to the Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things World Wonder Ring. Stardom, I'm your host, Rob Goodwin, and I am joined as ever by my good friend, your good friend, the world's good friend, Mr. Positivity, Matt Turner. Matt Turner, it's not often that we have a Stardom Cast episode where the action in Ring will take such a back seat to the news and rumor and innuendo as this episode here, because we have got one show to talk about and a whole host of news and rumors and all that good stuff to delve into.
4: Yeah, absolutely, my friend. Always a pleasure talking to you and the friends and family of the Stardom Cast. Uh, I forgot to make mention this last week, so I just want to get out of the way now before I forget. My cousin is actually over in Japan, and uh, he sent me a text message last week that when they turn on the TV— Um, Not that they're having the TV on and watching TV all the time. They're in Japan to, to, you know, explore the sites and, you know, get the culture that is Japan. He says that there is a lot of commercials and a lot of shows, like blocks of shows, that feature stardom. So it's good to know that stardom is very prevalent over there on tv he said he did see a few commercials and a few things for other japanese promotions now he's not a huge wrestling fan but he did note he did see the new japan logo he knew what that was but he said of all the wrestling stuff that has come on the tv over there at his time in japan that stardom absolutely dominates it again with commercials and with blocks of shows so i thought that was really cool a really cool little tidbit my friend
3: interesting indeed Inter- i mean i have seen obviously you know with the the grace of uh Of social media that stardom are relatively prevalent in there, on TV and things like that. But it's it's cool to know that firsthand. Hello to Matt's cousin as well. If you're listening, hope you're having a lovely time. Whereabouts are they?
4: Um, I I think Tokyo. Um, I'm not sure where else they went. He's the cousin that I don't talk to that much. Not that like there's any heat or beef. it's just he moved out of the area and he moved out to New York and then he moved out to L.A. To follow his dream as a video game designer. Now, his older brother is one of my best friends. His, uh, co- we call him cousin Frank. The reason why we call him cousin Frank is because his dad's name is Frank. So that's Uncle Frank. My dad's name is Frank. My brother's name is Frank. And my great-grandfather, when he was alive, his name was Frank. Now, cousin Frank will be one of the other three, other the other two individuals that you will spend the entire time with uh for Philly Mania next year. So be my buddy Paul. And then there's Cousin Frank. So if you're wondering, how come they keep calling him Cousin Frank? That's the reason why. He is the huge wrestling fan. Now, Rob, as you know, and we're we're already off the the page here. As you know, I'm a massive fan of Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon. He is a way bigger fan uh, than I am of Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon. If you do now, I'm just remembering. If you do remember the birthday card Lily made uh, last year of Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon, that was for Cousin Frank
3: i do remember yes i remember you sending the pitch of it it was great
4: i just got a drink of water yes but um he's just doing a little bit of exploring in japan like i said i don't talk to him too often usually during the holidays or during his birthday but he just sent me a message he's like yeah i've been over in japan the past couple days and there's tons of stardom press and coverage on the tv so i forgot to make mention that this week so i figured let me do it in the beginning uh before i started out but uh yeah i'm doing good buddy how's everything over on your end my friend
3: I can't complain at all. Um, uh, nothing really going on. Obviously, it's quite busy with the house being up for sale and all that good stuff. But apart from that, it is a quiet time in the Goodwin household. Um, what about yourself? What's, uh What's going on in the world of Matt Turner?
4: Well, I have a uh, as we're recording this on Wednesday, I have a hot date with my wife. As the as I'm sure you're aware, a new Marvel movie. ...comes out on, uh, on Thursday. So I'm excited for that. So we're going out for dinner and a movie. And then last week, um, she is the... I mentioned to you before... She's the president of our church. So she had to get together a church dance. So I went with her to the church dance. Not that I'm a huge dancer. Uh, as you know, Rob, I would probably have two less feet, two left feet, and I'm really clumsy. But it's nice to see all these older couples that are in like their seventies and eighties just dancing it and cutting it up on the floor. And I kind of look at that and I, you know, I tell Amber all the time, I said, that's where I'd like to be in the next, you know, 30, 40 years at the good lord. Graces me with another thirty or forty years on this wonderful planet that we have. So that's what I want to be doing—doing doing something with you when we're in our seventies and eighties. Whether it's dancing, playing bingo, watching a movie, or something in a hall like this, you know, where it's, you're with uh, older couples and just watching these older folks that have been married probably longer than I've been alive, just having a good time. I just think that. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to get all mushy. I just think that's uh that's something really cool, and that's kind of where I see me and her in the next, you know, thirty or forty years. And uh, just me being me, Rob, if I'm in my 80s and I'm playing bingo, I might throw a chair at somebody just to keep, you know, keep the blood flowing, brother, you know?
3: Absolutely. Got to work kayfabe, my man. I understand that (laughs) entirely. Uh, (laughs) But as I said before, this is going to be one of the most jam-packed episodes we've ever done without actually having a great deal of shows to cover. Uh, Right off the bat, um, I know that there have been since Stardom Halloween Dark Night, which was October 29th, which is now up on Stardom World, if you haven't seen it yet. There have been three other nights of the Stardom Tag League. Unfortunately, one, the November 3rd show, which we're going to be talking about today. That went up yesterday. We've both watched that. We can review that. Night 6, November 4th, that only went up this morning. And unfortunately, there's just, there's no way we are, uh, we're going to be able to, we didn't have enough time to uh to cover it so unfortunately that will have to wait till next week and obviously the same for november 5th uh, night 7 that hasn't come out either so uh next week because obviously we've got those two things and then we have got the finals which are going to be happening in four or five days time I believe it's on the 12th of November the finals um and it is the 8th as we record so uh, we've got that the finals and then of course Maiwe Watani's uh, journey down south to uh, to Texas to uh, defend her IWGP Women's Championship against Stephanie Vaco. So we are going to be uh, covering that as well next week. It's going to be a jam-packed episode. But Matt, before we delve into this news, this rumour, this you know wild and crazy week that has been World Wondering Stardom, why don't you tell the good people at home what's coming up on the Stardom Cast Extra this week?
4: Oh, on the Patreon. How I love this Patreon. Man, we are having fun on this Patreon. Uh, and again, thanks to everybody that support just over there on uh, the Stardom Cast Extra. This past week, we released the alternate commentary of Mayuri Watani taking on one Mercedes Monet from All-Star Grand Queendom for the IWGP Women's Championship. Now, Rob, I'm going to circle back to this because I've seen this match three or four times prior and when I do the alternate commentary, I'm like really, really zoned in. And I realize that there's this next level psychology in the match that I'm going to come back to because uh, I just want to kind of just bring up how just the psychology of Mercedes and Mayu, which just completely blew me away that I enjoyed this on this last uh, viewing than I did the first time I watched it. So I'm going to circle back to that. Now, uh, next week, boy, we have a lot coming up next week. On the 14th or 15th of the month of November, you'll be getting the FWC Hazuki and Kagama, their 2021 Goddess of Stardom Championship run. And Rob, I completely forgot that uh, when I was going into the final night, that Hazuki and Kagama had to wrestle three times on the final night in Cork and Hall. They had to wrestle uh, Saki Kashima and Fuki and Death. And then they had a tiebreaker versus Aphrodite, Sai Kamatani, and Yutami Hayashista, and then had a comeback in the main event just minutes later to wrestle Mama Watanabe and Azumi, the team that won the tournament the prior year in 2020. And one thing else, too, I also forgot. So you go back to, I believe it was November 5th of 2021, FWC and Aphrodite have an absolute classic tag match that like nobody talks about. I got done watching it. I noted it and I put it right up on Twitter. I'm like, if you are new to stardom world and you are new to stardom and you know, and I know we have new uh, listeners and viewers of stardom all the time. That's a match that you absolutely have to watch. But the fact that FWC wrestles Aphrodite twice in this tournament, boy, boy, Heidi. Oh boy, howdy. So uh, yeah, that'll be up in your feeds, either the 14th or the 15th. Also, alternate commentary rob and i had an absolute blast we had so much fun yesterday recording these two shows uh we did sherry versus suzu suzuki from the opening night of this year's five star tournament what an absolute blast that match was and it was literally that match was shot out of a cannon it was hard hitting it was epic storing it was Back and forth, uh, just really great stuff between Sherry and Suzu Suzuki. So if you have not checked that match out um, and you are on the Patreon, hopefully that you guys and gals will take a gander at that with Rob and I's uh, audio commentary uh, behind it. Also, we are going to be releasing the uh, no longer we don't call them alternate commentary. There's watch alongs. Uh, Rob, being the genius that he is, call him Lanny Papel because, folks, he's a genius. So, uh, if you do remember, we mentioned last week that Suzu Suzuki and Micah, the alternate commentary of their five-star Grand Prix that Rob and I did, the uh, quality didn't come out as well as we would like. Rather than releasing a half-ass episode, we said we'll just scrape it. We'll come back when we do it another time. And as they make do, as they make good, all tiers from the one-dollar tier to the twenty-five-dollar tier. You will get the watch-along of the classic match, the chop match of the Tokyo Dome match from Pro Wrestling Noah's Kensei Sasaki takes on Kenta Kabashi. Now, since Rob and I have deemed these, these are not alternate commentaries where we're giving you the insight, we're telling you the psychology, we're building the story. Rob is giving you fantastic statistics. This is just, like I said, a watch-along. And I don't know about you, Rob, but when I'm watching wrestling with my good buddies, I like to have an adult beverage from time to time. <laughs> now, Rob, again, being the absolute genius that he is, said, you know what we should do, Matt? For every chop that's in this match, we should take a sip of alcohol. And I said, Rob, that's a great idea. So last time we did this, we did it last month. It was Hokuto versus Candori. And uh, I had just, I had one beer, Stardom Cast beer, again, brewed with blueberries. So I was getting my antioxidants in and my hydration. So I was like, this is going to be a two beer match at least. Now, I did have two beers from our friends over at Funk Brewing. One was, yes, the Stardom Cast beer. And then one was a dessert beer. It was the, uh, their s'mores beer. Now the Funk, the fine people are at Funk Brewing. They, uh, their cans are not 12 ounces, they're 16 ounces. So you have the bigger beers, and their beers aren't three proof or 4% proof. No, one was five and a half. And I think one was six. I think something like that. I showed it on camera. So, uh, and I don't have the tolerance like I used to in my young 20s. So, um, yes, if you've seen this match before, there's something like 131 chops, something like that. So Rob and I, again, as we're watching this match, again, it's a watch line, not an alternate commentary. We were uh, drinking pretty good and pretty good. So literally the match gets done. And we we did, uh, you know, Suzu and Shuri. And uh this match back to back. So we had an absolute blast. I always have a blast recording with you, Mr. Goodwin. But uh so we get done. I go downstairs and my wife is making dinner and she sees me with two empty beer cans in my hand. She's like, What are you doing with two empty beer? She goes, I thought you were podcasting. What we what are you doing drinking two big beers like that? Trying to explain to her what, what I just explained <laughs> to uh to our listeners. <laughs> And then halfway through, she looks at me. She goes, your face is all red. She's like, are you drunk? I said, I think I am. She's (laughs) like, it's not even dinner time on a Tuesday. She's like, you're drunk. I said, I sure am. Now, Rob, you know how insanely busy my schedule is. I pride myself on spending as much time as I can with my lovely wife. So what we usually do is from 7 to 8 o'clock, we watch game shows. From 7 to 7.30, we watch Jeopardy. And from 7.30 to 8 o'clock, we watch Wheel of Fortune. Now, I'm not going to lie. I'm not that smart of a person when it comes to anything outside of comic books, wrestling, or Ozzy Osbourne. I'm just just not. So uh, I do like watching Jeopardy because I try to give myself an under-over. If I get five or six right, I feel good about myself. And my wife is pretty smart. So my wife is phenomenal at Wheel of Fortune. She gets... 90% 90% of the puzzles faster than anybody else does, and she talks trash while she's doing it. Like it's really fun. <laughs> like, you will never be allowed on this show just because of how much trash you talk. So we're watching Jeopardy, and keep in mind I'm half inebriated. And uh, I think I got three questions right. Wheel of Fortune comes on, and the next thing I know, it's 10 o'clock. I time warped. My wife's like, yeah, hey, you better go to bed. I said, how did I do Wheel of Fortune? She's like, You made it through the first puzzle. She's like, You fell asleep at like 7:35. <laughs> 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 so, oh dear. so uh yeah you want to see uh you know again folks it was it's a hoot of a time it's a great match it, it was it was an absolute blast doing the again the alternate commentary where we are in depth and they'll watch along again it's just two good brothers having a good time watching one of the best matches in the past 20 years in pro wrestling in the legendary tokyo dome and having a few beers so uh yeah folks that. uh I hope that you all enjoy that. And uh, again, thank you everybody so much for the support on the Stardom Cast Extra. Now, let me go back to this Mayu versus Mercedes match. And Rob, this is what stands us out over here on the Stardom Cast podcast is that you get a little, little extra. You get a little extra from your Uncle MT. So I'm going to break down the psychology of this match. Now, majority of us love this match between Mayu and Mercedes. one little knock on it is that it didn't go as long as we'd like i think it went about 13 minutes where everybody thought they would probably go over 20 and i understand that but if you take a look at it, take a step back you have mayu who's the standard of women's wrestling in japan for the last five or six years then you're mercedes aka sasha banks who is the standard of women's wrestling over here in the united states for the last five or six years so there's no feeling out process Mayu literally does a dive like 30 seconds in this match. Like she hits two stiff kicks. Uh, Mercedes goes to the outside. Mayu hits a dive. My, uh, Mercedes comes back using what she knows best, her knees, the meteor, right? So she does it a couple times, and then she tries to set up for the moneymakers, the finisher that be- had her beat Kyrie two months prior for the IWGP Women's Championship. Rob, she tries this four times before she hits it. But what she does is, because she doesn't have Mayu wore down enough, she goes back to the Meteora. But she does it all sorts of different variations to the point where she does a couple to the back of Mayu, uh, Mayu's back, like the lung blower, and then a lot double knees to Mayu's stomach, which psychology-wise is taking away Mayu's breath. So having Mayu difficult to breathe. So Mercedes finally hits the money maker. Mayu gets her foot on the rope. Mercedes sells it like I can't believe like she kicked out or got out of it. You know, Mercedes is the heel in this situation. So she does the heel thing. Like, what are you serious? And I never pointed this out. I never figured this out up until when I did this alternate commentary. She pulled, and I've seen this match four or five times prior. She pulls Mayu to the middle of the ring and she pins her five or six times in a row. And Rob, you know very well I love a good hook of the leg. You know I'm a big fan of big hooking fun. the leg. You got to hook the leg. So not only does Mercedes pull Mayu in the middle of the ring, on the first pin attempt, she hooks the near leg. The second pin attempt, she hooks the far leg. The third pin attempt, she hooks both legs. The next pin attempt, she hooks both legs while she's sitting on Mayu's chest. Now, even though she's only getting two counts, what she's doing, and if anybody has ever had anything heavy on on their chest or their stomach, or they've had somebody on their chest or stomach and they need to get them off, you have to use your diaphragm and your air to push them off. So that's what Mercedes is forcing Mayu to do in all these all these covers. And she's changing up the hooking of the leg. So that Mayu has to recontrol her breathing. And considering the fact that get it, to get to the moneymaker, she had to use the double knees, the meteor to Mayu, to her back, to her kidneys, and to her chest to disrupt the breathing. I thought that was so genius. And the psychology from Mercedes there... It's just completely next level. And just something that I just wanted to point out, folks. And that right there, folks, is simple, but yet genius psychology.
3: And now nobody needs to go out and actually subscribe to that tier anymore because Matt's it down for you here. So there you are, ladies and gentlemen. Don't say we don't give, give you give anything.
4: Away, <laughs> I give away the finish of the match. I just wanted to point that out. That's it. It's just... I think part of my job on this podcast, just wrestling in general, is the fact that I kind of look at wrestling a little bit different than most people. And by that, I mean I appreciate it more because of certain things that are going on. So go back and watch that match with that in mind. And I think that people will enjoy that match more than they already do. And
3: just an apology from me, unfortunately, it took a little bit longer for some strange reason to render that file, which is why it was a day late, the video going up. But it is up now. So please go and check that out. Um, I suppose it's about time we delve into this news. I mean, where do you even start? Um, We'll start with our World of Stardom champion, Tam Nakano. Obviously, we knew that the injury was slightly worse than Stardom were letting on as she hadn't been announced for any of the Tag League cards where, of course, she was supposed to be teaming with Yuna Mizumori as Cosmic Angels. Um, it was sort of up in the air as to whether she'll be fit in time for Gold Rush. Um, we knew that because of this injury and another injury, which we're going to talk about in a moment, because Jesus Christ, I don't know who broke the mirror in stardom, but good grief they've had some rotten luck recently. Um, they, they hadn't announced... The goddess of stardom tag league cards too far in advance, clearly hoping that Tam would be fit. It's not the case. And uh, we are stardom Twitter put out that Tam Nakano is still recovering from her knee injury and withdraws from her world of stardom title defense versus Suzu Suzuki on the 18th of November at Gold Rush in Osaka. Suzu will now be in a three-way battle versus Azumi and the returning Starlight Kid. And then at the end, the question, what will happen to the World of Stardom Championship? Now, first things first, let's take the positives out of this. We're getting Starlight Kid back. Glad to see that her injury wasn't as bad as it could have been. Um, obviously she's wrestling Azumi and Starlight Kid, so they are throwing her at the deep end, so clearly she's fit. I knew that she'd been seconding Oeta Tai XL for a number of uh, shows, so thankfully she is back. That's great. Um, I feel massively sorry for Suzu Suzuki through all of this. Obviously, we're going to talk about Tam as well, but Suzu just... (laughs) Look at it from this point of view. She won the five-star as the second, maybe even third choice. And now she's put this challenge forth for the red belt and now can't have that challenge either. So uh, it's, it's certainly not uh, certainly not ideal for Suzu. As for Tam, I mean, I was amazed that Tam was able to walk after that nasty, nasty bump. I mean, completely accidental, obviously, and uh, I think she was sort of trying to save Tora at the same time, but it was a really nasty sort of landing for her. I was amazed she walked out, like I say, so it's not a huge surprise that she isn't going to be able to go at Gold Rush. My big question to you, Matt, is it doesn't seem like Stardom are going to be stripping Tam of the Belt Anytime soon, unless there is some sort of official word put forth at Gold Rush, where maybe we'll have a little bit more information and a little bit more of a prognosis on how long time is out. Um, but what would you do in this situation? We've now got a show that is still very, very stacked, and we're going to go through that card in a moment. But losing Tam versus Suzu Suzuki at the top of it is a huge, huge hit. And also, this puts a lot of pressure on Dream Queendom as well. Because if you keep the belt on Tam, and for whatever reason Tam isn't able to go for Dream Queendom, you then run the risk of not having a red belt match in the biggest show of your year. Or, you know, the closing show of your year. I think the Yokohama Arena show was the biggest show of their year. But you get my meaning. What do you do from this point? Do you vacate the belt and say, Tam, take your time, get fit? Because you look at the list of injuries Stardom's have. It's only growing. And that's with Starlight Kid coming back. Obviously, now Kogama is on the shelf um, so FWC are now forfeiting matches in the tag league. She is not on the cards for the foreseeable future. Um, I don't think she is on the. Um, I'm just looking down the card now. She's not on Gold Rush either. No Utami, no Saya Kamatani, Um, no Tam. That's four big big Boy. names. Natsupoi as well. How could I forget Natsapoi? Um, them huge names to be missing on this show. And then you think that before Gold Rush, we've got the Tag League final, um, which, you know, I think it's fair to say that this tournament has been more than a little bit cursed. Um, On this card, on this final card, which is probably going to be a pay-per-view, let's be perfectly honest. On this card, there is no Yutami, Saya, Natsapoi, Tam... Um, Kogama or Mayu Iwatani. Like, no disrespect to Kogama, but aside from that, they are five massive names to not have on a card. Like, that's huge. And when you put together with that the fact that just from this tag league we've lost Cosmic Angels and now FWC as well, I mean... Where do you even go with this tournament? I've I've thrown a lot at you there, Matt. Let's talk about the red belt first, then we'll talk about tag league and gold rush and all sorts. What would you What would you do in this situation? Where's your head at in this regard?
4: I think, and I could be wrong, Rob. That if they didn't think Tam was good to go for Dream Queendom, they would make an announcement where the belt is vacated, and maybe they would start a little mini tournament starting at gold rush to go into uh dream queendom or again, if Tam wasn't fit, maybe uh, they would have been able to get Tam out there just to do maybe a quick match with Suzu and then drop the belt to Suzu. I think that, and again, I could be wrong. I don't, you know, I, I haven't heard anything from, from uh stardom or anybody on the inside or anything like that, but just, you know, looking at it from kind of just what I know through wrestling is that they probably talked to the doctor and they said, okay, Tam will probably be good you know, first, second week of December, she needs two or three more weeks to rest up and heal her knee. Um, so that means that she will not be good to go for gold rush. That's what I think is going to happen. I think you will see Tam defending the world of stardom championship at dream queendom. Now, the only thing is, is that where they give Suzu the shot? Or I think the whole reason why they sped up Suzu's championship matches, because they had probably had it penciled in that Tam was going to drop the belt to either Sai or or Yut- Yutami Hayashista, who we both, uh, I predicted as kind of being the one in uh, two people to win the five-star Grand Prix. So that's where that comes in. Now do you have, it's like, okay, well, Suzu won the belt or won the five-star. Do we now take her championship match for, away from her for gold rush and give it to her at Sumo Hall and then have Tam drop the bell at the anniversary show? Or do you have like, okay, if, if, if it's still penciled in, that was gonna be Sayu Tommy have Say Tommy then up and Tam and beat her at dream queendom and then give Suzu her championship match at the next pay-per-view, which is, again, usually the first big show of the year is the uh, the anniversary show. So there's a lot to think about. And again, that's all if Tam is good to go by Dream Queen, or do they just put it on a corkin, you know, the first or second week of December, do Tam and Suzu. And we talked about that, I think, on last week's show, with the, uh, the low number on the last corkin. That would maybe be a good way to maybe get that number back up to 14 1500 again it all depends we don't know we don't know Stardom's not showing their cards maybe because they just don't know yet maybe they still have to run more tests with tam but i firmly believe and maybe this is just me being positive and me just looking at the uh the bright side of everything Mommy. i firmly think that if um tam was not good to go for the end of the year they would have made a statement and they would have start building towards um, you know, what will be the red belt match for Dream Queendom. They will definitely have a red belt match on Dream Queendom, one way or another. Whether it's Tam or they strip her of the title and they do like some sort of mini tournament, I'm ninety I'm nine 99.9% sure the World of Stardom Championship will be defended on Dream Queendom.
3: Oh, it has to be. It has to be. That's, that's sort of where I was going with that. It has to be defended. But it was more a case of, you know, do they strip Tam now Or if she's not fit, do they strip Tam two weeks out from Dream Queendom? Um, And then what do you do with the Red Belt? I fully expect there to be a Red Belt match at Sumo Hall. It just has to happen. Um, Whether you then run a tournament and do it as a one-night thing, um, which could be quite cool. Um, The problem that you run into then is who do you put in that tournament? Because there are so many injuries. Like, you know, again, no Utami, no Saya, no um, Natsupoi, who I'm sure would have been in that tournament. Tam, of course, who is the champion. Um,
4: so you've got Mayu, you've got Julia, um... M- Micah Hazuki. But I mean, here's something else too, Rob is what we're again, We don't know when Utami's coming back. We don't know when Saya Kamatani's coming back. We don't know when Natsupoi's coming mm-hmm. back. That Dream Kingdom show is about, as of this recording, about, you know, six, seven weeks out. So there's a possibility they all could be back, and I mentioned on that, you know, the Gold Rush show it's supposed to have some sort of huge announcement. And I think there's going to be a whole bunch of big things. And I, again, I mentioned last week that I think you're going to see Utami and Sai Kamatani pop up somewhere on that show. I mean, we've seen all over social media that uh, all the uh, all the uh, media that Stardom does is that Utami's in her gear. And she looks healthy. You know, I mean, she looks happy. She looks, she looks fit. So she looks like she's ready to go. And Natsupoy is what, I guess one of the advantages of me now having a TikTok, Rob, is I get messages all the time that Natsapoy is posting stuff on TikTok. So she seems like she's ready to go. Again, the, you want to be, you want to take caution. You do not want these wrestlers coming back anything less than a hundred percent because if they do come back too early and they get injured again, they could be on the shelf for four months, six months, a year. I know that's the last thing that stardom wants. So, I mean, again, there is a possibility that the all, the, all these names that you mentioned could be good to go come the end of the year. But with stardom, what I think they need to do is they need to have a clear vision by no later than the first week of December of what they're doing with that red bell, so they can have their three or four weeks to start promoting to start selling tickets. Absolutely
3: agreed, and I think if you were going to sacrifice something, maybe sacrificing your tag league so that your bigger names have got time to recuperate. Because we did, we did say a couple of weeks ago that Natsupoy's neck injury wouldn't need surgery, which is you know huge. Um, and obviously, we hope everyone is recovering well. But, you know, if she needed time off, the best time to take time off is, again, no disrespect, but Tag League. Because Tag League, of all the tournaments, I'd say that this one probably has the least engagement in terms of stardom um, between this and obviously the Triangle Derby, which we I assume will be announced at Gold Rush because um, we haven't had word that that will be happening again next year, but I'm going to assume it, it is. Um, so if Yutami needed this tore off to recuperate the neck injury, um, if Natsupoy needed the tore off to recuperate her neck injury, then I am absolutely fine with that. Let's get them back fully fit. You know, this could all just be precautionary for Tam, and she might be... She, it might have been touch and go for Gold Rush, like you said, Matt. And it might just be a case of, right, well, I'd rather sacrifice Gold Rush um, than her re aggravate the injury there and not be able to compete at Dream Queendom. That might be the case. I have a feeling if they knew that Tam wasn't fit, they'd have vacated the title.
4: Yeah. And again, if, if you're looking to sell tickets, you know who else they can bring in as a special appearance, Rob?
3: Absolutely. Fuki and Death. Well, um, you know who and, who, who and
4: Death could wrestle that would sell a tickets the human cadillac dorian Deville. <laughs>
3: <laughs> there you go man i mean again stardom we are giving you money ideas we don't charge for these <laughs> um yes. <laughs> yes yet yeah when you start bringing in those huge tokyo <laughs> dome doors with uh with the human cadillac at the top of your card just just bear us in mind um Obviously, this injury and the pulling of this match um, has led to a little bit of a shuffle round in terms of the Stardom Gold Rush card. That is as follows. So, the main event is now going to be the Wonder of Stardom Championship match, Mirai versus Sioriano, which, again, that's going to be incredible. Um, The Moneyball tournament will make a reappearance, as we talked about last week. So... The teams are as follows. The holders sort of Mayu Hazuki and Hannon replacing kagame We'll take on Amisori, Saki, Kashima and Konami. Um, from God's Eye. We've then got Julian May Sakurai and Tecla, the Barry Barry Bombers, taking on Tora, Momo Watanabe, and Ruaka. So those are your four teams for the Moneyball tournament. Um, And then obviously the two winners will go into the final. Um, Also on this card, we've got Battle Royal with everyone that's not on the main card, basically. Uh, UWF rules match, Suri versus Alice Inc. Um, The... aforementioned three-way suzu suzuki versus azumi versus starlight kid um, and we've also got the high speed championship match may Sera the champion making a first out defense against momoka hanazano so a couple of things to note from that obviously we'll do a full preview next week um which you know again looks like we're gonna have two pay-per-views in the space of a week which is never fun but uh for the wallet anyway, but um it's this card, despite the fact that we are losing a huge match in Sousa versus Tam, it's still gonna be a very good card, despite um the money ball pretty much been destroyed after three minutes of the final last year. It was a fun tournament to watch, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, the high-speed championship match, Momoko Hanazano had a fantastic match with Azumi, literally a year ago to the day, um, and the wonder of stardom match, Mirai versus Cioriano. We saw a small section of what they could do during the five-star. So I've got every faith that that is going to be blow away, especially after Mirai's excellent match with Momo Watanabe. An answer to your sort of question in regards to Suzu Suzuki, Matt, um, I would bump the title defense now to the new year rather than trying to cram it in before Dream Queen, If you're keeping the belt on Tam, and let's just say for argument's sake that they are going to keep the belt on Tam for now, um, the last thing you want is to rush her back to do a quick title defense that makes Suzu Suzuki's five-star win seem even less important, which isn't fair. I feel like you need to give Suzu the pomp and circumstance that she deserves, a big title match on a big card. So, you know what? They always do a big show in January. Um, you know, I think it's Supreme Fight that they do in January, February time. So put Suzu at the top of that card for the Red Belt. Whether that is against a new champion or whether that is against Tam, that's for fate to decide. But I, I fully believe that Suzu shouldn't have a title defense that just sort of seems throwaway or just a sort of token title defence you know she won the five star it should be a huge thing especially for Suzu who there is such a lot of expectation around her to be someone you can build stardom around in the future I feel like we shouldn't just take for granted the title shot that's my personal opinion um, please feel free to uh, to disagree in the comments um, let's move on then a little bit from Tam And let's move on to Julia. So uh, (laughs) this was just, it was honestly an hour and a half of absolute bloody carnage on social media. Um, I was driving home from work and me and Matt had been texting about something completely different. I can't remember what it was. And I got a message on my hands-free that just said, WWE talks with Julia are far enough along that Julia is expected at the performance center, the WWE performance center, sometime this month. Um, And that was reported by PW Insider. Now, that took me completely by surprise. And I was oh, for God's sake. Um, This was about an hour and a half after um, Suki Ban had announced that Sari had signed with them in a multi-year deal after a load of news outlets said that she was very far along in talks with the WWE. So it was one of those where it was initially very shocking. Crap, we could be losing Julia, but we could also be losing Julia imminently. Um And then it was a case of, oh, I'm gone. You know, just because the wrestling tabloids or the wrestling journalists have said that it's going to happen Doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. And for WWE to have talks with Julia, Julia's contract would have to be, you know, unless they are willing to pay Bushi Road stupid money, Julia is a contracted wrestler to stardom. So there's no way she's going to be turning up on NXT deadline. It's just not gonna happen. She's under contract. And you know, if you're Bushy Road, you would be stupid to let Julia go. You know, you'd be stupid to let Julia go out of her contract. It's it's just not gonna happen. Um the wrestling observer then came out and said, Yeah, this is nonsense. She's under contract until March. Um we have it on authority that the contract actually goes a little bit further than March. So, there seems to have been a big furore about Julia signing with the WWE, and it seems to be something that's been completely blown out of proportion, Matt.
4: So, I'm going to give everybody the, uh, and Rob, you know I like to do this, and for our long-time listeners, you know I like to do this. I'm going to kind of give you almost the blow-by-blow blow what happened. So, yes, obviously it was all over the interwebs that Julia was not only signing with the WWE, but she was going to the Performance Center at the end of November. I thought that's what you just said. Yeah, that's really weird. So, obviously, my first uh, text was to you. And I we were talking about something else, more than likely pro wrestling uh, in stardom. And I was also chatting with my wife back and forth about something. And I sent you and her both that message. And I even told, you know, my obviously, you know what's going on with stardom, hence you do because of the podcast and you're awesome and whatnot. But, anywho, so I told my wife, I said, I said, Han, I said, this is at the worst time. I said, Tam's out. Uh, you Tommy's out, Saya's out. I said, gee, if this is true, which all these legit sources are reporting that it's true, I said, This is the worst time for her to leave ever. Like in stardom because of how thin the roster is. And now you're losing a mega star like Julie, who's wrestled twice in the US in the last handful of months and has gotten over crazy huge, you know, the uh, all the big outlets are covering everything that she's doing over here in the States. It was like you know, that I'm not shocked that anybody would want her because she's ready made to go. You can put her on AWTV, WWE TV tomorrow as the current stardom Julia package. And it would work. So I'm going back and forth with the two of you. About forty-five minutes goes by and um I'm going to kind of be vague here, Rob, because I'm a lot of things. And one thing I'm not is a stooge. I am not a stooge. I don't. I love every aspect <laughs> of pro wrestling. Some of these dirt sheet writers, I do not absolutely, you know, I don't know where they come up with their sources or how they're wrong or whatnot. But and I'm not going to bear anybody because that's not my M.O. That's not our M.O. That's not what we are about. But we have a a, a source that's very, very close to the situation. And when I mean close, I mean as, almost as close as you can be. Where they reached out to me about an hour after this news supposedly broke, and they said again they reached out to me. I didn't reach out to them saying, "Hey man, um, all that stuff on Julia, yeah, it's all BS. Don't believe it." And again, I'm not going to go into depth detail of what me and this, uh, you know, let's just say this this person on the inside said, because again, I'm not a stooge and I I would not do that. Basically said, "Here's everything we have going on." Blah 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 blah. I'm like, okay that sounds good. I feel better. Thank you. I feel better about the situation just because of how thin the roster is and that we're losing Julia. So um, I thought, great, fantastic. And then about an hour later, Meltzer comes out and says, no, she's in contract until March. Again, I don't know when the contract is, is up, but Per what I was told, and again, I could be wrong, or maybe she has a she has an option to opt out in March. I could be wrong. Don't know how the contract goes. I didn't ask again because I'm not a stooge. Um, it seems like the contract is much longer than March. So uh, fear not, folks. So who has the correct scoop? Is it Dave Meltzer? Is it Brian Alvarez? Is it Bill Watts? Is it Bob Geigel? Is it Stu Hart? No, your uncle MT NRG. We got the correct answer for you. Julia. Now let's Bushy Roads like, yeah, you're good to go. Now let's say let her out of her contract. You're gonna be seeing Julia in the stardom ring for uh quite a bit in 2024.
3: Yeah, there would there would need to be significant movement on the Bushy Road side, I feel, for uh for this even to be entertained and you're absolutely right, mate. You've hit the nail on the head there. When half your roster is out injured and when you are missing some of your biggest stars, the last thing that makes financial or pardon me, any sort of sense is to then let one of your biggest stars, if not your biggest international star at the moment, go to the WWE. Now, obviously, we don't know Julia's... Sort of thoughts on this whether Julia wants to go to WWE, and there was all sorts of circumstantial evidence posted on social media, like "Oh, she's taking English classes." Okay, cool. Mina Shirakawa knows English. Like <laughs> Wakasugiyama knows English. That's you know, that's go by look, the by. Ask the video um, Mayu
4: learning English with Yuji Nagata on YouTube. That's adorable. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
4: yes, yeah. Um, so it
3: it did make me laugh that a load of circumstantial evidence um, then came out. Um, But yes, it does appear, and obviously, you know, it's wrestling. Anything can happen, um, as as is repeatedly proved in this uh, wonderful sport that we all love. But it does seem that Julia, at least for the meantime, is sort of tied down to a contract, and hopefully... That means that we will be seeing her, as Matt said, in a stardom ring for a long time. Um, What made me laugh is then, literally 10 minutes after this, um, some news came out about a different person on the stardom roster. This time, Megan Bain. Um, The story, I believe, was from Fightful Select. Um, Megan Bain is all elite and has been for quite some time. Um, top indie prospect Megan Bain isn't actually an indie prospect, Five or select has learned. Bain has been under AEW contract for months, although she hasn't been on television in the company in months. Bain instead was sent by AEW to work in Tokyo Joshi Pro months ago and has been refining her work there. I will just point out now that Sean Rossap did post a um Saw sort of a retraction of that bit and said they did mean stardom when they said Tokyo Joshi Pro. So take that bit away. As of this summer, we're told that there have been no significant creative plans for her within AEW. Um, the 25-year-old Bane has also made appearances in Impact Wrestling in the past. So uh, this opened up a lot of uh, of interesting debate and conversations, conversations. Um, you know, oh, wouldn't it be good if AEW sent such and such to stardom for a little bit of refining? Um, and you know, if they've got no creative for them, why don't they send this person to stardom or this person to stardom or this person to stardom? Um this story was pretty much turned down flat, I believe, as not true. Um so again, make of that what you will. Um I know that the the tweet has been deleted. I'm not going to speculate as to why. There's no point. But I believe that that person probably knows um, more than, than the speculation. It's it's an interesting thought that AEW would strike this sort of relationship with stardom. Um, and I'm also glad that Megan Bain isn't imminently leaving because even though... She's not top-tier talent, like a Julia, like a Mayu, like a Nutami. She is really good in that mid-card, and the relationship that she has forged with Suzu Suzuki, and especially Maceira on the undercard, has been extremely entertaining. And Divine Kingdom, one of the three teams left (laughs) in the tag league. (laughs) For now, for Um, now. exactly exactly the final is just going to be one person stood in the ring going i guess i'm the winner count out. um
1: count
3: yeah picks up the trophy gets a shoulder injury damn it oh, um, <laughs> um yeah so like i was saying um divine kingdom is one of the most entertaining if not the most entertaining teams and certainly the most badass looking team um uh, in the tag league. It's nice to see that Micah isn't going to be left all on her own with no Megan Bain and no Julia in the imminent future. But yeah, this all, all of this news broke on the same day within the space of about an hour and a half, Matt, it was crazy.
4: Yeah. With the whole sorry thing, it was just like, you know, she's in talks with WWE. Obviously we'll get into that. When we get into the EO and now EO and Carvey watch. Cause I mentioned to you, I was like, I think here's where they're going with it. I'm like, okay, She's literally could have signed with a multi-billion dollar company, but she went with a U.S. Joshi anime style promotion that runs on TikTok and has only done one show, which is <laughs> awesome for Suki Bun. Great. I mean, Sari is like the talk of the town, uh, you know, for a series of matches since she's, uh, that she's had since she's come back. And she's fantastic. fantastic. So I'm like, oh, that's good on them. I'm like, oh, how about that? You know, they, they, uh, the Fed lost that one. Then all of a sudden you hear that Julia's going. And then you heard, no, she's not going maybe until March. And then it's like, she might not be going at all. And then you hear people like two or three hours after all these reports uh, were out that uh, then they were tracking statements. They were like, Oh, well, what we mean by that is WWE has interest in Julia since 2019. Of course, who wouldn't? That's like saying it's just like, oh, AW and WWE, they've had their eyes on Will Osprey the last two years. So who, who wouldn't? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's, it really, it just blows my mind just like. I don't know if it's clickbait or what's going on. And again, again, Rob, I have done so many jobs in my 21-plus years uh, being an independent professional wrestler, whether it's wrestling, whether it's helping book, whether it's helping getting talent, the podcasting. Now we're getting into commentary uh, with Pro Wrestling Dream, uh, which I'm super, super excited about. But the one job I don't think I would ever be able to do is to be these quote-unquote dirt sheet writers. You know, That's just not for me because it literally seems like Every time something is posted, it seems like to me, and I could be wrong and no disrespect to them. Again, that's not my MO is to bury anybody. Um, It just seems like they're just trying to get clickbaits. They're just trying to get hits on something. They're just trying to bump up, you know, whether it's their, you know, YouTube channel or newsletter or what have you. And it's just like they are so wrong about certain things. that it's like, just go to the source, like go to the actual source. It's like when we know more things about this without even looking for it. Like, what does that say? You know what I mean? Where it's like, that's your job is to find out everything wrong, and then the whole Megan Bay thing comes out. At, at this point, at this point, I'm like, I'm just exhausted. It's it, when when I see Megan Bain pull up in AEW, then I'm like, okay, she signed with AEW. Until then, to my opinion, she's a stardom wrestler. But I was literally mentally exhausted to the point where I had to watch a match of two guys chopping at each other while drinking beer with you, buddy. That was the only <laughs>
1: way for me
4: to get through that. I was like, unbelievable. It was like, oh my God, God first. And and I just want to end this segment by saying, God bless everybody. I love you all. Holy jeez.
3: Oh no, it was, it was absolute chaos. Um, I think it was Monday actually, not Tuesday that all this news (laughs) dropped, but, um,
4: Oh, jeez. Because felt like, was one, it, felt like it was one big day. <laughs> but what the
3: thing that I found so odd was that I've got a lot of respect for Sean Ross Sab and for Fife. Absolutely. And, um, the fine
4: folks over there. They, they do great work. Absolutely.
3: They, they absolutely do. And quite a lot of what they report on is rooted in fact, which I do like. There are several news sites out there that I don't trust a single word that comes out, but I. You know, in terms of five, I pretty much treat what they say as not necessarily gospel, but certainly as well reported and seemingly well researched as well. So, yeah, I don't know whether the wrong end of the stick has been grasped or whether they've just received some poor information or or what it is. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly certainly appears to have been shut down fairly spectacularly. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Sari um, uh, just very, very quickly, because obviously this sort of started this entire <laughs> day of news, um, was that Sari, after Kyrie went back to the WWE and made her re-debut at Crown Jewel on the 4th of November, which we're going to be talking a little bit about during Neo and Kyrie Watch, um, it was announced that sort of the WWE were pursuing Sari as well, um, or Sari. I, I, do you know what? I don't know how to put I think it's Sari. Um, I imagine Velkage will tell me how to say it. Um, but I know that there have been rumblings that the WWE have basically sort of entertained the idea of bringing her back. Um, and this had been rumbling on, and the more it rumbled on, the stronger the links grew. Um uh, and obviously with Kyrie then making her reappearance, people started to assume that Sari was going to be the next one to join this this reported sort of new faction of Joshi that Eo um may or may not be having. Again, that was reported by I can't remember who. Um but then it was announced that the WWE had been outbid by the Joshi um anime. TikTok promotion, Tsukiban, who uh, in in all seriousness, apparently have a whole heap of money behind them, because not only have they signed Sari, but they've also signed her to a multi-year deal as well, so that won't have come cheap, and then you look at the roster as well, you've got Sarianu, you've got Ram you've got um, Risa Seira, you've got Unagi, you've got um, Arisa Nakajima, you've got a lot of good Joshi talent there, so they've clearly got money behind them. Um, And the fact that they've been able to tie Sari down after one show is very, very impressive. Um, She will be making her debut on the Miami show, which I believe is December the 6th. Um, is their second show and she'll be part of a four-way where she'll be taking on Countess, um, Sari, Atomic Banshee and Babyface. So uh, that's something to look out for in the coming week's Sari's debut. In Suki Ban, um, I'd have been very, very surprised. (laughs) I wasn't particularly surprised with Kyrie and WWE but Sari hasn't being gone from the company that long, it would have surprised me if she'd have left to then go back. After what it's been less than a year, hasn't
4: it? Here's something, too, you have to look for look out, too, Rob. It's like when EO, Kyrie, and Oscar all got pushed, their initial push was under Shawn Michaels and Triple H, right? And then Sari comes in. And she was presented as a serious badass wrestler. Triple H, I think she, he had the heart attack or whatever, was basically forced to take time off. Everything got reshuffled. Um, Kyrie eventually, you know, Kyrie got called up. They did, uh, they did okay. I'm not gonna say they did bad. They didn't, they did okay with her. Same thing with Oscar. I still don't think Oscar should have went under to Charlotte at WrestleMania 34. That's just me. But it seems like when what I'm trying to say is, is it seems like when Triple H is not under the booking. Of these Joshi style talent, it just seems like anybody, any nobody has any idea what to do with them. Nobody has any idea. We it looked like Io was on her way back to Japan and stardom last year uh, during SummerSlam. Triple H started taking over majority of the booking. You know, wind up locking Io down, put her on the main roster. Now she's you know the champion of uh, you know uh, the the women's champion on a SmackDown brand where she's being seen by over two million people. Uh, and then what's the what, what what is you get Triple H is under from what we understand is under full control. He brings Kyrie back. All right. We're going to see Oscar. We saw Oscar do the comeback as, you know, murder clown Kana Oscar redoing her complete thing and getting a nice push there. So I can see why it's just like, well, sorry. It's just like, well, geez, I did OK there when I first started. And then everything went kind of went left side when it should have went right, right side. And maybe that's because Triple H wasn't there to oversee the quote unquote Josie talent. So maybe it's like, okay, well, Triple H is now in charge. Maybe they want to bring her back in and maybe be a part of this stable with EO. I'm like, again, like what are they doing with EO. I think they're going to do great with Kairi. Uh, whenever Asuka, if Asuka does join that group or she's on the opposite side, it's still going to be great entertainment. And Sari has done nothing but, ever since she's been back in Japan having these matches, been doing nothing but uh, making noise in a good way and upping her stock. So it would make sense. It's like with Triple H, like, okay, I'm back in control. I want to bring her back because I had big plans for her. And then when I left because I got sick and I had to take time off, they messed it all up. Let's bring her back to the fold. And that's where I thought I was like, well, that'll be good for her. Come back. She'll be in this stable, you know, with E.O. Kyrie, and who else. But uh, yeah, then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, she signed with Suki Band. And I wonder if that contract, Rob, again, because I don't think they're going to be running shows full time. I wonder if she's going to have something in her contract where she can go to Japan and do her, you know, the Sariism shows or the All Japan shows or the uh, Tokyo Joshi Pros or have a couple matches and start them here or there. I'm not sure what the contract is, but it does seem like that Suki Man is going to be her main focus for the next few years. And good on them, my friend. Good on them because now we have another promotion over in Japan, you know, over here in the states that is featuring Japanese Joshi style talent to really keep an eye out for.
0: Well,
3: you say um, whether the contract will allow her to do other things. You would assume so when you look at the remainder of that roster.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savoury tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.
1: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
2: Like,
3: Unagi works every single Joshi promotion that she possibly can, same with Sioriano. So it wouldn't surprise me if you see um, Sari making... An appearance in other Joshi promotions. Um, in fact, I'd be downright astounded if she only did Suki Ban. Um, uh, a couple of other things then that I just want to briefly touch upon. There seems to have been a little bit of uh, confusion in terms of the November 5th show, um, which apart- the, the company has taken very, very seriously. And uh, Rossi Ogawa, ...announced um, uh, that basically the start time had to be changed. And this is all credit to at HD Subs on Twitter. Um, and I'm I'm assuming this isn't a complete translation, but... Um, ...the start time of today's Ushiku show has been changed... ...and we apologise for any inconvenience to our fans. This was brought about by ineptitude on the part of the management... As one of the people involved, I deeply apologise for any inconvenience this may have caused to everyone. The wrestlers are doing their best, even though there are many absentees, so we would ask for your kind cooperation. I would also like to apologise for the absence of Fukiken death. Um, Mayu then posted on, I believe, Instagram. Um, to say the following. Uh, the company's mistake caused trouble to many people. It also made them feel distrustful. Distru- That's the problem. They made a huge mistake. But before the show, they gathered all the wrestlers together. I saw Ona Kadani bowing his head in front of everyone. I think there were times when our wrestlers caused a lot of trouble for the company, and there were times when they didn't properly apologise when they made a mistake. It may be easy to bow your head, but I don't think I can do it easily. You should never do it, but I think it's not good to criticise someone who has apologised and then criticise them even more. That's what I thought. Well, everyone who supports stardom, it's okay to attack more and more, lol. The truth is that we did something terrible. After all, I'm a stardom wrestler, so I'll do my best to help stardom regain its credibility. That's what I thought again. Both the wrestlers and the staff have to work together. There are times when the company protects us, so the wrestlers also have to protect the company. Um, And then Julia put something out as well where she sort of didn't know what was going on and asked management and was apparently laughed at. So there seemed to have been all sorts of confusion around what happened. Um obviously I I don't know the ins and outs of it and um there doesn't seem to be anything concrete on social media as to what caused the confusion and um sort of the ramifications about it. But yeah, it's not often we get uh statements from uh from Hartman and then statements from the rest are on top of that matt
4: It really seems like to me, Rob, reading all this and just having what you just uh, you just said. There just seems to be a lack of communication. That's what it seems like to me. And you know, I mean, you know, I've been doing this podcast with you for two years. You know how big I am on communication, especially how the insanity of this show growing. And now that we're putting, we're doing commentary for Pro Wrestling Dream on is you have to keep communication. Now, I know, obviously, the communication just with me and you, it's just two people. Um, With stardom, obviously, it's a huge, not only just that roster, but then you have the people in production. Uh, The bookers, you know, the writers, everything going on, the people editing the website. So there's a lot there. So it just seems like there was a whole bunch of miscommunication there. And it just seems like everybody just needs to be on the same page and keep communication, um, you know, keep everything separate. So everybody's all on the same page. And again, Rob, Rob will tell you how insane i am with communication especially next week with all the podcasting we have going on and all the interviews we're doing i'm like is this work are we good with this are you sure we're good with this okay i'm penciling this in this person wants to go here we got allison for this date and this time are you good okay good you have to have communication that's in any way whether it's business whether it's a relationship even with my wife again i mentioned at the beginning of the show we're going to see captain of marvel to, uh, tomorrow hey i'm gonna get the tickets for seven o'clock we'll leave a little bit after five to go to dinner you have to have communication So everybody is in the same role. Again, that's easy for me to say, just having the the communication with you for the show and the communication with my wife just for dinner. Those are small things that, if not done properly, they add up to big things. And that's what happens here. Rob, we're all human. We all make mistakes. Hopefully, stardom and any company learns from this, and they move past this, and they get better uh, going on towards the future.
3: Yeah. I uh, I wholeheartedly agree. There's no point in speculating unless we actually know, so we will move on. Um not necessarily news, but I just thought this was really entertaining. Uh Velkage on our Discord has actually got a picture of one of the May Sakurai dollars. Um and it's got a close up on it. It's a million Euro note. Um and underneath it says Sil non pas du pain. Qu'il mange du la takio Now, I believe that takio is the stuff that she talks about in her promos. Um, but as a loose translation, that is, if they don't eat bread, let them eat takeo Um, Which, of course, is paraphrasing Lady Antoinette if they, you know, let them eat cake. Which uh, properly, properly entertain me. She's properly leaning into this ladyship gimmick, um, and it's brilliant. I absolutely love it. Um, now, let's talk, Matt, about the one show that we're actually talking about today, um, and that is night five of the Tag League, the 3rd of November, in Toyama, the Boyfurt. Toyama 2F Multipurpose Hall in Toyama, Japan in front of a sellout crowd of 436 people. Um, The results are as follows. So we have got a three-way match where Micah defeated Ruaka and Hazuki in 5 minutes and 24 seconds. Micah pinning Ruaka with a jackknife pin. We then had a tag team match, the eye contact team of Maywe Butani and Hannan defeating the Amisori and Lady C team, with Hannan getting the pinfall over Lady C with 17 in 7 minutes and 32 seconds. Um, Suri and Saki Kashima, the God's Eye team, defeated the Cosmic Angels team of Sioriano and Yuna Mizumori, with Suri submitting Yuna with the ground Suzaku in 9 minutes and 39 seconds. We move on to Tag League action from the Red Block. Mafia Bella picking up their first points of the tournament um, over maximum mini-team of Hanako and Sayida. Julia submitting Hanako with the Bianca in 10 minutes and 33 seconds. Uh, Mirai and Sakurai continue their astonishing run uh, at the top of Blue Block, um, moving on to six points, defeating 0-2 line Miyu Amasaki and Azumi. With May Sakurai pinning Miu in twelve minutes and twenty-seven, with the greatest move in professional wrestling history, the destructive diving elbow drop. Um, and then our last tag league match, Prominence continue their dominance. That rhymed. Did not even mean. What that. a guy! Um, what a guy, folks! Oh,
4: yes, just look at yes, that! Look standing at standing ovation! The- standing ovation! Ralph Goodwin. <laughs> That's the quality
3: <laughs> you come to the stardom cast for. Um, the prominence team of Hiragi Karumi and Risa Seira defeated the Moonlight Venus team of Waka Sukiyama, and Mina Shirakawa to move to five points. Uh, Hiragi gained the pinfall over Waka with the diving Brody press in 12 minutes and one second. And then in your main event, the team of Megan Bain, Mei Seira, and Suzu Suzuki defeated the Uedatai team of Momo Tanabe, Fuki, can death and natsu with megan bain absolutely <laughs> launching the clown into the stratosphere with an f5 in 11 minutes and two seconds one thing i will say about that match is there is a very famous simpsons gif where the child is crying and just says stop stop they're already dead and good grief did that apply to this finish because it felt like such overkill to fling this four foot clown in the air with this f5 <laughs> it, was, it really it tickled me far more than it should have done i don't know if it was it, it looked very briefly like and death was inflatable because the <laughs> way she threw her up in the air, you just didn't seem to come down for ages Good
4: post. A um, good, good, good post, kid. You know, that's what it was. Yeah, trying to get Megan Bane over, you know, it's this hot young rookie, you know, Pookie and Death, Corey is a she's a veteran, trying to get this young rookie, Megan Bane over, kid, you know.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Doing the job, brother. <laughs> um, but- But obviously this is a card that required a little bit of rejigging with Koguma's injury and with the continued absence of Tam, which I think it's safe to say now that the Cosmic Angels team are not going to be taking part in the Tag League. We've had the remainder of the cards announced and she is nowhere to be seen. Um, What did you think then, Matt, of this card overall? Obviously we'll talk a little bit more about the... uh, the Tag league matches in a little bit more detail in a moment, but in terms of the undercard, I thoroughly enjoyed the main event for all the reasons that I said before. Give me Suzu Suzuki and Momo Watanabe just ten minutes kicking the hell out of each other. I would be all here for that um I think I Every time I see the eye contact team of Hannon and Mayu, they just improve, and they just—they feel like they deserve a tag team title shot. If they were to win this tag league, I don't think there is a single person that watches Stardom on a regular basis that would begrudge them that. Especially after the, let's face it, the rather disappointing final last year when uh, Seven Up won. I feel like a Hannon and Mayu victory, the babyface victory, would be. Incre- incredibly well-received, Matt.
4: Yeah, uh, what you just talked about last year, I believe you mean by the result, because that final between 7-Up and Aphrodite was absolutely fantastic, correct? Yes, okay.
3: ab- absolutely. And I will just say, 7-Up's match quality was never the issue. I just want to quickly point that out. And when they won the tag titles, they put on very good
4: matches. Just didn't
3: drop them in the right way. But that's that's irrelevant, Matt. What did you think
4: about the undercard? Um, I, I guess let's just kind of go through briefly everything. First you first of all, you have Hazuki, Mike, and Ruaka in the opener. Now, we know poor Ruaka is leaving the fall here. But you have Hazuki <laughs> and Mike that. If this was the final of the five-star, nobody would have bad not. Obviously, Mike and Major the final. We're like hell yeah. Now this is the opener, right? So you know me, I love I love all three of these, but Hazuki is my go-to, right? Again, I say it all the time. I don't have a favorite wrestler, but if I was choose to choose a favorite wrestler, not only in Stardom but all professional wrestling, it's probably be Hazuki. When Hazuki finally wins either the white or red belt, I will cry almost as much as I did during that Aweido Tai queens Quest Cage match. I digress. Rob Goodwin, you know you get Hazuki in a match. It's the opener. She does not care. This match goes five minutes with two other people. You still get not only full Hazuki mode, she gets she goes full Hazuki Full I'm going ahead of myself. I'm excited. Full Hazuki mode on both Micah and Ruaka at the same time. Just going back and forth like a pinball of who of who she's gonna hit harder. Just back and forth with the forearms to both Micah and Ruaka. I thought that that was absolutely great. Great showing by Ruaka. I thought she looked really good here. And uh Micah showing another uh Wrinkle to her offensive game, getting the win with a jack knife pin. Uh, Solid opener. I gave it three and a quarter stars. But again, I just love how Hazuki, doesn't matter where you throw or where on the card, you're going to get 110%.
3: Yeah, absolutely. If we are ever in charge of booking a wrestling show um, and Hazuki ever becomes freelance, I will just throw money at her. Like, just be our top person. Just be our top person forever. Um, She's incredible. The effort she puts in, like... I wish she wouldn't sometimes, especially with the sheer volume of injuries, because the last thing we need is for Hazuki to be injured. Um, But yeah, it doesn't seem to matter. She'll make every match her own. And over the next couple of weeks, um, as we head into the... um, tag league final she's in quite a lot of undercard and opening matches um you know singles matches and sort of throwaway three ways and you know for a fact that she would treat those in the exact same way she would treat a championship match so that certainly makes for entertaining viewing it was a decent match it is worth watching especially as it only goes five minutes and you get to watch micah and hazuki just beat the living jimmy out of each other which is always fun um uh, we talked a little bit about Hanan and Mayu, Matt. What are your thoughts on them?
4: What I thought was great about this match, and as soon as I got done watching, um, I tweeted out right away about that. Just we always talk about the improving of wrestlers. I love it when anybody puts anything into their craft and they get better. We talked about what Mina was able to do from you know the beginning of 2022 into the end of 2022, and there's so many wrestlers that have improved so well in stardom. And Lady C is definitely one of them. And I thought it was really funny that when you see these. Uh, Mayu and Hana matches not only tag matches but even the multi-person matches as they always start the match out probably in the first minute or so they hit this awesome double team sequence and it's absolutely flawless and we've seen Mayu and Hana doing every single one of the tag league matches now I know this wasn't a tag league match but they're getting ready to get into their groove of doing that opening tag spot and then Lady C just stops it by chopping both Mayu and Hana I thought that was really cool to have Lady C to be the one to interrupt that opening spot. Um, Lady C and Ami, sorry, they're great as a team here, but yeah, Mayu and Hanan are absolutely fantastic. Again, Mayu has done everything in stardom. Hanan has just turned 19 years old. She has her whole entire career in front of her and will probably be miss everything in stardom, um, you know, within the next six or seven years. You hit it right on the head, brother. With all these injuries going on in stardom, I don't think anybody would well, not only Bad an eye, but they would welcome Mayu and Hanan winning the tag league. And then maybe uh, again, maybe again, maybe at that anniversary show, the first big show of the year, Mayu and Hanan getting a tag title shot, whether it's Sayorianu and Natsupoy or whoever it be, uh, I would love to see Mayu and Hanan get either a tag run or run building up to go for the goddess tag titles because they are absolutely flawless together. And everybody loves Mayu. Everybody loves Hanan. They are fantastic together, and they're really being able to show what they can do in this tag league. Great match. One of my favorite matches on the show. I like it how Han and a lot of these matches is getting the win. You know, Mayu's obviously the big star, not only just in this team, but in stardom. It's Mayu. She's the icon. She's been there since the beginning. She's one of the greatest wrestlers, uh, you know, of this generation. And she's letting Hanan getting the wind in a lot of these matches, which just really puts a feather in the cap of Han. And you're only building her up more as you're building Han up towards the future. Great match. All four wrestlers were fantastic. Han, in my opinion, the MVP of this match, I had it three and three, four stars. Absolutely loved it. Just goes to show in less than eight minutes that you can get two teams and a story over. Just shows you the brilliance that is stardom.
3: Absolutely. Completely agree. Um, Mafia Bella. Going on to defeat Maximum Mini. Obviously, we knew Maximum Mini were never, ever, ever going to win. Um, but um, we did have a little bit of a build towards the impending Julia and Saya Ida singles match, which is going to be taking place in uh, November, I believe. Uh, sorry, on November twenty first in LLPWX, which I believe is Shinobu Kandori's promotion. Um, so that is going to be an extremely um tasty little match, especially from uh, if the very little exchanges we got between the pair were anything to go by, Matt.
4: Real quick, Rob, um I did match number three with Sherry and Saki versus Saori and Yuna. Great match, um Sayori and Sherry singles match, yes please. But uh yes, Mafia Bella team they did a great job. Not only this is a match to get Mafia Bella uh you know a big win over but it was a match that they were able to maybe sell some tickets for Sayida versus Julia as they were kind of really teasing that uh, in the upcoming matches coming up here. But then they had a promo afterwards where they said that they're going to be having that match in Kandori's promotion. And uh, boy, Shinobi Kandori, my friend, is um, she's a wrestler that will absolutely love this match because this is going to be right up her alley. Hard-hitting, uh, no BS, straightforward, some really good submissions. Great storytelling and just, uh, yeah, pure professional wrestling at its best. And I cannot wait to see the Saeeda versus Julia match. And the fact that it's taking place outside of a stardom ring, it's not going to be overshadowed by having a Mayu, a Utami, a Sai Kamatani, a Tam. This seems like it's going to be the main match on this show. And it's probably going to get close to around 20 minutes and Julia's great at a lot of things, Rob. We say it all the time on this podcast. So one of the things that she's fantastic at is taking somebody lower on the card, you know, the mid-card or what have you, and pulling them up where they. she makes them believable, where they can almost beat Julia. And I think that's what she's going to do here. So somebody we absolutely love on this podcast in one side, and I can't wait to watch that match. Uh, sorry, brother. I got to have to put you on the hot seat real quick. Is that match going to be aired on a YouTube or like how is one how is one stardom fan going to be able to watch Saida versus Julian in LLPW?
3: At the moment, I'm unsure. Um, I don't know anywhere near enough about LLPWx to to answer that question. I imagine there will be some sort of streaming service. People who are far more intelligent than me will be able to tell you that, Matt. I'm afraid. Well, there's not
4: many people more intelligent than you, my friend. See that? See? I See how I get you over? You're so good. You're so good, mate. A good match. Uh, <laughs> um, three and a half stars I gave that one. Solid, solid stuff.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mei Sakurai and Mirai um, uh, with Azumi and Miu Amasaki. Big fan of Mei Sakurai locking Miu in the um, paradise lock. And then Mirai basically stopping Azumi coming in to break it up, which I thought was very, very funny. I do like the fact that, Mirai, uh, sorry, that Mei Sakurai is providing that that personality to Mirai, you know, she's almost forcing this personality out of Mariah. And it's making her a more rounded uh, competitor, in my mind, um, because we know she can go in ring. We know that she can be bloody brutal in ring if, uh, if that match with Momo is anything to go by. But I think this partnership, and we talked about this last week, the oddball partnership, it can go one or two ways. It either really does not work and it's just a case of, hmm, that was odd. Think oil and water from last um, two years ago. Um, Rena and Hannon, where it was just a bit like, eh, it, it happened, but there was, there was nothing. Or they can really, really, really work and sort of really get over. And I feel I may Sakurai Akira certainly fall into that latter category,
4: Matt. Yeah, not only that, but I really like the finish of this match where uh, Mariah and May Sakurai, it's really showing that they're being a cohesive team um, to, in order to set up for that fantastic elbow drop you love so much. They hit a combination mm-hmm. low lariat from Mariah, which we all know she throws those really well, and a Yakuza kick from uh, May Sakurai. So they did like this really brutal sandwich to poor Miyu Amasaki before. May Sakurai hits the top rope elbow drop and I really like that. I really like that they're not only um getting better as a team but as far as like the personalities go because their pe- personalities really are yin and yang, but they have some really good double team stuff as well. And uh obviously Miyu and Azumi, they improve with every outing. Miyu Amasaki is another one that improves leaps and bounds and I said it last week she's so much better when she's in the ring with Azumi because I think again I don't know, I think Azumi is putting her offense together for her because, you know, Azumi's the leader of the team. She's the elder, you know, she's 21 years old and wrestling for 20 and a half years. Uh, um but she uh <laughs> she knows where to put me stuff and where to put their tag stuff and that makes me who's already improving even better and I know that as of this recording the show from the fifth just went up I had a lot of people that have already seen that show basically told me that the the eye contact match between Mayu and Hanan versus o2 line not only is the best match from the show but one of if not the best tag matches from this goddess tournament and again we say it all the time it's it's terrible that all these wrestlers are injured in stardom but this is still a phenomenal tournament it really really is it's low-key under the radar just absolutely fantastic even with all the stars missing uh because of the injuries and i cannot wait to watch the uh, o2 line versus uh, eye contact match and then come back here next week and talk about it with your partner excellent match uh all four of these ladies really gelled well together i, I can't put over how much i love azumi i think that uh, it's her time in 2024, she's going to have an absolutely fantastic year, and maybe Rob, maybe for the first time in the six years that you've been t- predicting, maybe Azumi has a run in the Cinderella tournament next year, brother.
3: I doubt it. <laughs> Let's be perfectly
4: honest. I doubt it. Um, you know that. You know what that means, a- folks. Put all your money on Azumi wearing the crown. <laughs>
3: It's a big double bluff. It's a big double bluff from me. Um, Providence versus Club Venus. This was a tremendous amount of fun. You knew ultimately it would result in Wacker eating the pinfall, but ultimately I thoroughly enjoyed this match.
4: Yeah, add Kurumi Haragi to the name of. Ra- Maybe I just didn't notice it, Rob. And if I did, please call me out on it. Uh, add Kurumi Haragi to the wrestlers who throw wicked lariats in Stardom. You know, with Unamizumori, with obviously with Mirai with uh with, with Micah with uh Utami Hayashista, but poor Wakashi she eats this crazy lariat at the end and then uh eats the super fly splash from Haragi. You know, you made mention about that Simpsons reference uh and the main event. I think it might have been more uh more adapted to this because she hits that lariat and it's like then she does the top rope splash she's already dead. Like it's like poor Waka. The <laughs> Waka is so endearing and she's so loved. And we did our interview with Jesse. She. Anytime we brought up Waka, you would Waka. You would just see her face lit up. Everybody just loves poor Waka. I guess apparently, except for Karumi Faragi, because jeez. Oh, um, the Waka here was great. She plays her part so well. Um, I'm watching this match and Rob, again, this was the first match I watched last night after, uh, after we watched our stuff. So I was a few beers in and I'm watching this match and it's like, okay, Mina comes out and does the dance. Right. And she's, um, it's Mina. She's uh, she's fantastic. I got a scale of one to 10. She's a 15, you know, with her entrance walk is smart enough to not come out until Mina's done with the dance. She just comes out and points at me. And I said, That's very smart, you know, apply to your strengths. Um, my opinion, though, Mina and Risa are uh, very much like Sari and Soriano, that's a singles match that I know that I wanted that I now need. Because Risa and Mina, when they were in the ring together, it was absolute magic. And hopefully somewhere down the line, we get a singles match in stardom with Mina and Risa. Maybe uh, I fully predict for Mina to have her full Wonder of Stardom championship run uh in 2024 you know the proper you know six seven eight month run hopefully she gets a defense with risa sarah because uh their stuff in the ring was violent it was well placed it was well timed the psychology made sense and i thought it was fantastic but they did a great job of having karumi haragi just look like the absolute monster she is in this match Uh, my favorite match from the show was this one three and three fourth stars
3: and then finally, we've already talked a little bit about Megan Bain going clown slaying, but um, the rest—wow, oh, that's the next
4: T-shirt, the stardom cast, clown, yes, clown slaying, the it. picture of fucking death just taking a crazy bump. <laughs> um, but this was a
3: tremendous amount of fun before the uh, before the imminent downfall of the clown, wasn't it, Matt? You rhymed again, brother. You're on a roll today. I honestly, I don't even try. I'm just that good naturally. <laughs>
4: Yeah, excellent stuff. Obviously, the main stuff was uh, Suzu versus Momo Watanabe. And uh, go back and watch. If you love what Suzu and Momo did here, go back and watch their match from the five star last year where Momo was. That's back when she was doing the whole big thing with the wrench. And she was either getting DQ'd or winning matches with the wrench. But then she goes to like try to do it with Suzu from, again, this is the five-star last year. Suzu just intercepts the wrench. She smacks it at poor Momo's head, and the thud that it made was like, jeez. And then she gets the tequila shot and the two German suplexes. It's like, what more did you need to do? But uh, considering the fact that Suzu is better now than she was last year, and she was great last year, and Momo is really finding her place as this phenomenal working heel in a widow tie, especially with this pat- her run. In the five-star yeah give me a Suzu versus Momo match sometime in the future please with like 12 13 minutes oh, obviously may Sarah she's fantastic here uh Natsuko Tora, her and Momo really gel well together as a team uh, we did see obviously you know may Sarah is the current uh, high-speed champion obviously uh, Fukin death who may or may not be Keiori Yanayama uh you know a high-speed legend their stuff was really really good and then obviously she puts her own uh her own little spin on it with the, uh, with the comedy, with the cigarette, and then hitting with the newspaper. Which I still, I hope one of these shows, Rob, that when she hits somebody at the newspaper, the ref is like, that's it, enough, and calls for the DQ. I would absolutely love some undercard match where she uses the paper so much, where the ref's like, that's it, enough, DQ, and that's the finish. I will pop huge. But um, I'm also a big fan of, it seems like these are the finishes for all these uh, multi-person matches that have Megan Bain and May Sierra in. Where May Sierra just like, okay, now Megan, you can fling me to the outside, and then Megan grabs whoever the legal person is and then hits the F five to the point where it's just like, usually Megan would just grab May and throw her, but at this match, May was like, oh, like had her hands up and like, all right, it's time for you to throw me, like was like openly wanting for her to launch, kick it, launched onto the floor, and then again, if that wasn't launching enough, yeah, the uh, the clown was uh jeez, <laughs> what a. Is that, that's got to be Megan's best F5 since the promotion, right?
3: Yes, 100%. <laughs> um, it does help that fucking Death probably weighs the same as a bag of flour, but
4: um,
3: it, it it just looked very, very, very impressive. I, I thought it looked great. Um, I know that we are slightly behind in terms of uh, the Tag League, but I did just want to run through um, sort of where teams are. Um, so, in terms of the red block, at the top of the block, you have got Prominence and Crazy Star at five points. Now, this, at the moment, I will just point out again, this, at the moment, is just after the show from the third. So, we know that there's been shows going on otherwise. And then, at the top of the blocks, um, in terms of blue block, you have got Mirai and Mei Sakurai and I contact as well both on six points eye contact will move to eight um because of their forfeit victory over the cosmic angels and don't forget it looks like those teams that have got fukuoka double crazy um left are probably going to end up with forfeit points as well so that is where the tag league sits um in terms of other shows so we have got 3 more shows in this tag league, not counting the shows from the 4th and the 5th, which we'll be covering next week. So the show from the 10th, which is going to be taking place in Sendai, um, at Sendai Pit, um, has got the following tag league matches on it. Mafia Bella versus Saki Kashima and Suri. Weretai XL versus Prominence, Yes, which could be very Tasty, absolutely. And then also on this card, Divine Kingdom versus O2 Line as well. So that's the matches on the 10th of November. On the 11th, the, uh, the eve of the final in Utsi and Maya, um, in the Light Cube, we have got the following matches. Um uh, Where are we? Where are we? Oh, we have... Oh, there we go. I was just going to say we haven't got cards. Yes, we have. Um, Sairida and Hanako Maximum Mini taking on Prominence, and then Divine Kingdom versus Mirai and Mei Sakurai. Um, that is on the 11th, which leaves our final card, which is going to be the 12th of November in Aori Um Nagaoka, sorry. Jesus, what is wrong with my... Uh, my Words today. Um, this is the card for the final. Obviously, we've got the final match, but we have got six woman tag, Hazuki Hanan and Sai Reader of Stars taking on Unimizmori, um, Ruaka and Hanako. Another tag team match where you've got Micah and Megan Bain taking on Azumi and Miyu Amasaki. That is a non-tag league match. Um, we have then got one, two, three, four. Tag League matches. Um Mariah Me Sakurai taking on Amisuri and Lady C the ryo at Tokyo Towers in blue block. And then we have got three red block matches. Moonlight Venus, Minashira Kara and Wakasukiyama taking on a weather tie XL, Natsukatora, Momo, Watanabe. Then in red block again, we have got Crazy Star, Suzu Suzuki and Meisera taking on Suri and Saki Kashima of God's Eye. And then in your semi-main, as it currently stands, Julia and Tekla, Mafia Bella versus Prominence, Risa Sera, and Karumi Hiragi. And again, that is your card for the um, finals, the Tag League finals on Sunday the 12th, I believe. Yes, yeah, Sunday the 12th. Of November. Now uh, again, it doesn't it doesn't hit me as a pay per view level card, but I don't feel with the injuries and people that they've got out, and the fact that Mayu is also in America at this point, I don't feel like it's fair to uh, to criticize the company too much. So I'm not going to bother because that's not fair. But otherwise, Matt, that final night, Julia and Tecla versus Prominence. Promises to be a very, very good match. I do believe that Moonlight Venus versus Aweratai has the potential as well to be very good. Um, but if I was to ask you now, has your thoughts on who is going to win changed? what would
4: you say i would say no because i didn't have fwc i didn't have uh melt because <laughs> everything changed i'm still gonna say that it's going to be divine kingdom and uh crazy star in the finals it does look they're doing a good job building up uh, eye contact mafia bella they did drop the first two uh matches which usually means you with the start use the way the starting booking has been the past couple years is that a team or an individual that drop, that's heavily favored to win the tournament or go far in it? When they do lose one or two matches, they go on tear and rebound and then is able to make it to the finals and or win. But I'm still going to say it's going to be Crazy Star and uh, Divine Kingdom with Micah pinning Suzu Suzuki uh, to get to the finals. Uh, Rob, I just want to real quick, you ran down the card. Am I correct? Are we doing? Are we getting Divine Kingdom versus O2 line twice um, in, the, in this weekend?
3: The one on the final night isn't tag league; it's just a
4: just a tag. But I'm match. saying we get we get two tag matches. So what I want to say is poor Miyu Amasaki because she's she's be the next. <laughs> there's a chance they may win one of those matches by count out or are the trickery that is Izumi. But I got a feeling of Miyu Amasaki is going to be launched very much like our, our good friend Fukin Death. <laughs>
3: Yes, I do get the impression that Miyu Hamataki is going to be uh, hit with the mother of all F5s. But uh, yes, those are your cards. Don't forget as well this week that on Friday, um Mayu Iwatani will be defending the IWGP women's championship at Gar um sorry at Lone Star shootout in Garland. Texas, you can buy it on Fight TV. I believe you can also buy it through the new and improved New Japan World as well. That will be launching on Thursday. So, you will need to log in again to your new so use your current New Japan World login details, but you'll have to change your password after you log in for the first time. Um, and now, Matt, before we talk a little bit about um the stuff coming up for Pro Wrestling Dream, which I just want to finish on. I think it's time that we do a little bit of EO and Kyrie
4: Watch. Yes, folks. EO Watch is over. It is now EO and Kyrie Watch. And I know a lot of folks had messaged me saying, is this going to be part of the segment every week? Yes, it will be. And I was also asked, what shows are we going to cover? Any show on WWE programming for the week that EO and Kyrie are on will be covered. So whether it's Raw, SmackDown, a pay-per-view, if it is on like main event or NXT or NXT level up or any of those, you know, primetime wrestling, whatever it is, if they're on those shows, somebody, and we are, our fan base the friends and family of the stardom cast are phenomenal please let me know so i know where to watch it i'm i'm an extremely busy person and sometimes i do not get a chance to watch all the shows so as of right now it really looks like everything's going to be condensed to smackdown so i only need to watch one show but if they appear on a raw or something else please let somebody let me know so I can go and watch it and cover it for the podcast. I thank you a million. Now Rob I realized that when I was going to do the EO watch for the third of November that would lead into the next day for the pay-per-view or premium live event, whatever they're called for Crown Jewel. I realized I did not do EO Watch last week from 10:27, 2023 So EO Shirai on the 10:27 show from SmackDown, WWE Women's Champion, not on the show. All right, so let's move on to EO Watch <laughs> from November 3rd, this past Friday. EO is in two backstage segments, one where all damage control uh, attack Bianca, and then the next segment uh she's in a promo where basically bailey says if she defeats uh bianca maybe she'll challenge eo for the belt and then eo was like absolutely not and uh that was about it so within about four hours of television time your wwe women's champion is on the show maybe two minutes so um yeah so i don't i'll tell you how i feel about that i don't like it so uh let's move on crown jewel now rob before i get to this match did you get a chance to watch one EO shirai versus bianca belair from crown jewel say again sorry oh. uh, you cut out oh. then. did you get a chance to watch this Eo versus bianca match from crown jewel
3: i did indeed oh
4: okay um i thought it was a tremendous match i didn't notice that uh, during the Women's 5-Way, which I believe, on the Raw Women's 5-Way, the crowd was absolutely dead. And I kind of figured that is just oh, the... Lots mm, of and Yeah, and, cause, and, I, and, and it, the crowd was crazy molten for Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre. I know this isn't the WWE podcast, but what a phenomenal match that was. Easily the best match on this show. So I kind of figured, um, uh, what's the way I can say about this without being negative? Um, let's just say the crowd over there in Saudi Arabia don't appreciate the women's wrestling as uh one me and you and our friends and family of the stardom cast podcast would appreciate women's wrestling. Would that be a good way of me uh, going about that, Rob? One hundred percent. So I knew this match wasn't going to be molten hot, like how they were in Puerto Rico for uh, Bianca versus EO at backlash. Cause Oh boy, howdy were they hot for that match? Especially <laughs> one EO Shirai. So, um, Kind of take the crowd out of it. Bianca is very dominant in the early going of this match. Theo slows down Bianca by going to the knee Indian Deathlock. right up your alley, Rob. I know you like good limb work and Bianca does a great job, like selling the limb work. Like she's trying to use her explosive offense. Obviously she was a a track star at the university of Tennessee. She's a legit you know, five-star athlete and she does a great job selling the knee in the middle parts of the match where she can't be so explosive. She can't run the ropes as well as she could. Um, so, I really, really like that. There was this really cool spot. I've never seen this before. And I've watched wrestling quite a bit, folks, uh, in my lifetime. I've never seen this before. Bianca goes a German suplex EO. She does hit one early on the match. It's absolutely fantastic. She goes to give her another German suplex, and Eo is getting wrist control and really putting her weight down. So Bianca can't German suplex her. So then what Eo does is she jumps to the outside by going through the second and uh, by going through the bottom rope and the second rope. So basically almost like suicide diving herself while she's still in the waist lock, causing Bianca to let go of the grip. And then Bianca like clotheslines herself on the top rope from EO's momentum. I thought that was genius. Something I've never seen before. Obviously, now Bianca's in the middle of the ring. EO's on the outside. Perfect timing. Perfect psychology for EO to hit that uh, pitcher. Perfect springboard dropkick. I thought that was really, really good. Um, EO i think she might have been watching her best of the zoomies because she does a the lamistica into the cross face and the double arm bar and then she switches that into the stretch muffler psychology going back after bianca's knee i thought that was really really well you get a really really good forearm trade-off between the two of them um Eo does this really cool spot where she will roll through somebody's german suplex and do the do the double stomp she did it early in the mats the second time to quote gorilla monsoon because I got to get my gorilla monsoon reference in. she goes the well once too often misses the second double stomp um, and then EO comes off the rope to try to go for her karana but Bianca is able to overpower block the her karana attempt and hits the face first power bomb. I thought that was really cool. the match spills out to the outside when EO um, escapes the uh, the KOD the kiss of death. Bailey winds up getting involved. She winds up getting beat up, which is basically kind of uh her gimmick over the past few months uh from time to time. Um Io winds up doing the top rope moonsault to the outside and then uh ba- uh Bianca gets the advantage back and then Bianca goes for the KOD to put ba- Bailey through the table like she did the night before, supposedly cuz I know it was taped. Uh onto Bailey through the table. However, we see a figure come up behind one Bailey that was rumored to show up on Crown Jewel. Now, if you're a fan of Kyrie like me and Rob are, you will know that obviously that was Kyrie just because you can see the uh, the back part of her fist had the Kairi uh, pirate logo. So um, Kyrie hits the cut list, the spinning back list, to one Bianca Belair, which actually get, did get a decent reaction. That and moon moonsault to the outside in the finish actually got somewhat of a reaction from this crowd. She hits the back fist. She hits the forearm running off the steps. They tease like they were going to do a count out. Bianca gets in at the 9.9 count. EO quickly follows up with the pitcher perfect moonsault, gets the three count. And then we see two of the three daughters of stardom, two of the three them, They embrace, they hug in the ring. While there's a perfect camera shot at Bailey saying, wait a minute, I'm the leader of this group. I have no idea what's going on. And then Michael Cole, the stooge and snitch that he is, Basically says the last time we saw Kyrie in WWE, she was taken out by Bailey. Clearly planting the seeds for this. Now, Rob, this was heavily rumored that Kyrie was going to show up on the show. And I had a lot of my friends say, hey, are you watching the show? So I'm watching for two matches, the Seth and Drew match and then this match. um, Because of one, it's EO. And uh, her and Bianca are fantastic together. and Bianca is a phenomenal, phenomenal talent on a phenomenal roster for WWE. But uh, for the rumor that Kyrie was going to show up, it was heavily rumor that she was going to show up, and she did. But, Rob, I had in my head that she was going to show up after the match when there was like a beatdown on Bianca to basically in, be on the opposite side of, of of EO. That's the way I thought. I thought it was going to be. How about you? With with all the rumors going around, I think me and you talked about, uh, you know, last week, we, I think we text back and forth. That there was a good chat that Kyrie was going to be here, but I thought she was going to back Bianca up, not team up with Io.
3: Yeah, it's 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 a strange one. It it depends for me. The sense lies in what they do next um, because Michael Cole's absolutely right. The last time we saw Kyrie on WWE television, she was getting her bell rung by Bailey backstage. So for her to then join Bailey's group. It's an interesting wrinkle, I'm sure that we'll have a storyline there because you would assume, actually, you know, the more you think about it, that Kyrie would actually um debut in support of Asuka because it's her former tag partner when they were the Kabuki Warriors. Um, a lot of the stuff that happened towards the tail end of Kyrie's first run in the WWE was with was with Asuka, so you assumed it was gonna be with Asuka. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know how my question. It's an interesting wrinkle.
4: My question to you is I was under the assumption that she would be on the opposite side of EO. Did did you you think that was gonna happen? Okay. Okay. Yeah. That was my question. Yep.
3: Yeah. The thing is like, I was convinced that it was going to be her backing Bianca because then that automatically gives Kyrie a shot at EO's title. Um, but if they're willing to play the long game with it and play into Kyrie's history in the WWE, then it could be quite interesting. Um, and it's certainly a more interesting way of doing it than just you know interjecting her um, on Bianca's side and just making her the uh, the sidekick once again. Because it did feel very much, especially towards the the end of Kyrie's first run in the WWE, that she was just effectively Asuka's sidekick. So we'll see how this goes. she felt like a big deal. Um the crowd were all up for it with the spinning back fist. Again, they were very flat during the EO and Bianca match, I thought. Not quite as flat as they were for the raw five way. Um, but I imagine that's the Nia Jax effect. Um but I thought that they were still quite flat, noticeably for EO for and Bianca.
4: Um Final thing, then, quick. that I just Real want... Real quick, Ryan. Oh, I just, sorry, no, man. No, 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 I, I a few things I just want to add. Uh, this match was 16 minutes and 42 seconds. I had it at four stars, and it seems all these EO defenses, this one, the Charlotte one, and the Oscar one that were on SmackDown, they're all getting close to around, like, 15, between 15 and 20 minutes. So they're not shoehorning a quick four- or five-minute match, and she's actually getting time tell her story and kudos to uh triple h for being able to give EO that spotlight and again clearly it's working you know we talked about uh it was the last week of the week before that she's doing her segments and her matches are doing over two million viewers but before we wrap up this segment rob i had a friend of mine shoot me a text message yesterday that i thought was interesting smackdown is getting more ratings than rob Ra basically because of the network so you can make an argument that smackdown even though raw has been the flagship show since 1993 that smackdown is the a show now, look at all the champions. This is, this is a buddy of mine sent me this. He said, I just figured this out. I know you get a kick out of this. Let's take a look at all the champions on SmackDown. Roman Reigns. Call it like we see it, part-timer. Logan Paul, who's the U.S. champion, part-timer. He's only in five or six matches. We have the tag champions, which are both on Raw and SmackDown. So they're not on SmackDown full-time, part-timers. Io Shirai, Io Sky, I'm going to call it Io Shirai. Io Shirai, women's champion, full-timer. Io Shirai is technically the face of SmackDown and can nobody tell me any different. So if SmackDown is the A show and Io Shirai is the A show champion to me, Io Shirai is the face of the biggest wrestling company in the world. And that's it. That's where I'm leaving it.
3: Don't blame me. <laughs> Don't blame me. Sure. Let's, let's go with it. Sure. Uh- <laughs> um just very very quickly for those who didn't hear last episode we are going to be the voices of pro wrestling dream myself and matt are going to be the commentary team for their shows going forward and they are starting with the american grand prix on the 30th of november eight wrestlers Two blocks, a single elimination tournament, 15-minute time limit for the first matches, 30-minute time limit for the round two, and then a final 60-minute time limit. Um, the blocks have been announced, and the wrestlers have been announced. Masha Slamovich, Jordan Blade, Dalmi Exo, Kennedy Copeland, Haiyan, Lindsay Snow, Kelsey Reagan, and La Brava Escobar. As well, so it's a star studded lineup. Especially excited to see Masha Slanovich and Haiyan and Lindsay Snow as well. Very excited to see that. We will be producing a preview episode for these American Grand Prix shows that will drop in your feed in the next week to 10 days. So keep your eyes out for that. Um Matt, unless you've got anything else you'd like to add, I think we should get out of here.
4: We've had enough fun for well, I would say one day, two days, brother. So yes, let's uh I guess we can uh take it home, brother.
3: Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We really, really do appreciate it. We'll be back next week to talk, hopefully, if everything has been uploaded, um, the final of the Goddess of Stardom Tag League, as well as all the intervening nights as well. And then go on to preview um, the New Blood show and Gold Rush as well, and talk about Maywe Watani's... ...match with Stephanie Vacker... ...which will undoubtedly... ...be phenomenal... Um, uh, ...make sure you subscribe... ...wherever you get your podcasts... ...if you could leave us a five star review... ...and a comment... ...it really really does help the podcast out... ...if you want these episodes early... ...and ad free... ...you can subscribe to our Patreon... ...for just a dollar a month... ...25 cents... ...an episode gets you... ...all of this good stuff early... ...one day early... And ad-free as well. You can also check out all of our bonus content up there. Nearly 150 bonus episodes over at The Stardom Cast Extra. www.patreon.com forward slash The Stardom Cast. You can find us on social media at The Stardom Cast. Um, you can talk to me on Twitter at Real Rob. Goodwin, Matt Turner, sign us off. Absolutely, good
4: absolutely uh, my good friend. Folks, if you want to get a hold of me on the social webs, Matt Turner, OF, on the Instagram, the Twitter, and the TikTok, I will be talking all things Stardom, Captain Marvel, and Bipoy uh, this weekend and every weekend <laughs> on over my social medias. If you guys want to shoot me an email, the StardomCast22 at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of me via email, folks. We cannot say thank you enough for all the fantastic support we have shown on a daily basis and the growth of this podcast. It's literally at a point where Rob and I text each other and we're like, we we don't even know what's we know we're working hard and we're having a good time, but it's like we can't make any rhyme or reason. So we're just, we're riding this train with you folks. And uh, we thank you for the support for all the five star reviews, for the tweets, the retweets, you know, uh, getting the word out there for us. We cannot do that without you. You are part of the startup cast army with us. Like I said, you guys are the friends and family cannot do this without you because like I always say, folks, just not my podcast. It's our podcast because we're all us together and everybody's different, everybody's special.